Well, we're uh, rethinking Christmas, and today we're going to rethink and talk about worship. You know, every week we uh, come together here, and uh, we pray, we, we give, we, we sing. And do you know why we sing? I mean, there, there are much more efficient ways to communicate. Why not just say what we want to say? You know, outside the, the church, uh, often collectively, we don't sing very often, do we? Um, fact is, uh, people sing like at birthdays. Uh, almost everybody knows the song Happy Birthday, right? In fact, it's the uh, most recognized uh, song in the English language. And um, you'd be at a restaurant or something, and all of a sudden a group of people will just start singing. Sometimes other people will join in. And it's always interesting to me because some people like to be sung to, and then other people get really embarrassed in, in that moment. You know, uh, last weekend uh, our family was in for Thanksgiving and uh, we uh, celebrated two birthdays in our house. And uh, so we ended up singing the song three times. So uh, somebody in our group wanted a uh, duplicate birthday and so we the next day had to sing happy birthday to her again. So a simple song, isn't it? But it's very recognizable. I think maybe the second most recognized song or popular song might be Take Me Out to the Ball Game. How many of you know that song? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've always been confused by the song because it's usually sang during the seventh inning, and the people that are singing it are already at the ball game, and so it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, my guess is if you've got enough beer in you, maybe it makes sense, but... Uh, the, the song's never made sense to me, but people sing it with gusto when they, when they sing it. Some people do not like to sing. You know, they're not very mu- musical, maybe tone deaf or whatever. They said Ulysses S. Grant was apparently the least musical president that, that we've ever had. He said this of himself. He said, I only know two tunes. One is Yankee Doodle, the other one is not. I went, okay. So apparently he wasn't very funny either, but uh, he didn't like to sing. He didn't like to sing. But music is a part of every culture, every civilization. And music is a deep part of being human. The fact is, as long as there have been mothers and babies, there have been lullabies. As long as people have fallen in love, there have been love songs. You know, when hearts are filled with joy, there's just something that makes us sing. It makes us dance. The fact is, uh, I have been with families around deathbeds many times in my ministry. And there are times that, to be honest, words are inadequate. And so normally, families will just sit in silence. But on occasion, I've been with families, and somebody will begin to sing. And they'll usually sing a a song of faith. And I believe that when we sing, sometimes it just expresses our soul. Now, there's a quote. It's attributed to St. Augustine. We're not sure he said it or didn't. But he said, the one who sings prays twice. You know, once in the mind and once with the heart. 
You know, people sing. People sing in honest moments. They sing. Sometimes people sing when they need courage in their lives. Some sing when they're facing a tough situation and they're trying to navigate. You know, in the Bible, there's two guys by the name of Paul and Silas. They, they've been arrested for their faith. They've been stripped. They've been beaten. They're, they're in prison. They're in stocks. They're in chains. And, and Scripture says this, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And I, I read that and I think, singing hymns to God in prison after you've been beaten? I mean, who does that? But friends, we sing, we sing when we're happy. We, we sing when we're desperate in life. In fact, Jesus was a singer. You know, we're told on the final night of his life, he knew that he was going to be executed that day. And he has a meal with his disciples. And they sang. They sang. Scripture says this, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And you know, that's where he prayed and then was ultimately arrested. I mean, that, that was a holy moment when they were singing. In fact, I believe there are sometimes in life, the only thing you can do is sing. You know, music's a, a big part of Christmas, isn't it? I, I love Christmas music. And uh, I mean, what's your, what's your favorite Christmas song? I want you to turn to your neighbor, just tell them what your favorite Christmas song is. Don't be bashful. Those are long songs. <laughs> I didn't say sing them, just tell them the name. <laughs> There's something about Christmas that makes your heart sing. I mean, Jesus, he was born, and he was born during a time that there was a custom in Israel that when there was a birth, there would be music. And so if a, a baby and the mom were safe, and if the baby was the right gender, you want to guess what gender that was? If it was a boy, musicians would gather. Friends and family would gather. And if it was a boy and mom was okay, they'd sing. If it was a girl, they'd pack their instruments up and go home. No, no kidding. That's how it was. But part of what Jesus Christ came to do was to change the world to destroy the, the cultural biases. You know, Jew and Greek, slave, free, male, female. We're told in Jesus Christ, all are one. See, joy to the world. You know, when Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, they weren't at home. They, they had traveled to Nazareth. They, they had traveled from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. And so... They were a long way from their home. Most of their family and friends were not around. They probably had some, but it was very, very distant relatives probably. And so there was no gathering. There, there was no music. And so God had to make other arrangements that first Christmas. Shepherds were out in the field. They were watching their sheep and an angel appeared to them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He's the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign. You'll find the babe wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, I want you to think about this. The communication's been made. The, the angel shared the information. Then Scripture says uh, heavenly hosts gathered. They joined the angels. And I, I try and imagine that, that moment. I mean, what a sight that must have been because all of a sudden the sky is full. Heavenly hosts and angels, and they're singing. They're singing glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those of whom his favor rests. The angel delivered the news. So why did the angels sing at that point? I, I think when I read that, I think they couldn't contain the joy that they were feeling. It wasn't just info that they were giving the world. It was the awe. It was the wonderment. It was the amazement that led even the angels to worship in that moment. I mean, in worship, I believe you realize how big God is. In worship, I believe we dwell and we delight in God. We, we find ways to celebrate God's goodness, God's greatness and faithfulness. You know, the psalmist says this, says, glory to Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. See, it is, more, it is more important when we gather together here. You know, it's more than the music. It's more than all, all the things that many times we bring. In fact, sometimes I think we come together and what we do is we kind of center on our needs. So I need strength. And so I praise God for his power. You know, I need guidance today. And so I praise God for his wisdom. You know, I need uh, forgiveness. And so I praise him for his grace or his mercy or his love. But friends, I want to tell you whether you're in good times or bad times. You've got to focus on God. See, that's where you find wonder and, and joy. You know, when I, when I focus on God, it's really hard to, to comprehend his majesty. It's, it's hard to comprehend just how big God is. And I will be honest, sometimes I'm just overwhelmed when I, when I just focus in and think, okay, how big's God? I love this passage from Job. God's talking to Job. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Oh, what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? You know, I, I would have loved to have been there. You know, when the stars were singing... When, when the angels were full of joy, when they were shouting. Friends, when, you, when I worship, I sing. You know, I'm inspired in that moment. I, I catch a glimpse, just a glimpse of heaven. I see life as this unbelievable, magnificent gift full of hope with possibilities of joy. Even when I'm sad. 
Friends, that's how important faith is. That's how, how big God is. And I will tell you, the, the alternative to worship is despair. And I don't want to live there. I mean, in God, we, we find love, we find hope, we find possibilities. I many times find my mind going to, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Without God, I think life can be bleak. You know, atheists, uh, agnostics, secularists, they don't sing. When, when you believe that there is no purpose to life, when you believe that we're just a collection of cells that happened, you, you end up living, you, you toil, and then you die. And when you believe that you're destined for extinction, I mean, does anybody sing about that stuff? It, it's, it is hard to make music out of those kinds of ideas. See, without God, there's no wonder in life. Without God, there's no music. Without God, well, there's no worship. And see, it's in worship that I recognize the greatness of God. It's in worship that that you find joy and you find hope and you find peace. Some of you want those things, and I just suggest you need to worship. See, in worship, I realize how small I am. And I will tell you, it's a good thing to realize how small you are and how fragile you are. And I know we live in this culture, and culture says we are the center. We are the only thing that matters. Life is about me, 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 me. There's nothing bigger than me. And I want to say, God, help us. Because we're small. Amy uh, Cuddy, she's a social psychologist. Uh, She's author of uh, New York bestseller, the book Presence. Any of you read that? Now, the the book's based on her research of how we carry ourselves. You know, our body language, our, our posture. She says, according to her research, that it determines who we are. And she has this thing, she, she calls it power posing. And she says that our pose that we take will determine how big we are or how small we are. In fact, you can do a little audit right now. If you're sitting up straight in the chair and, you know, you got your head up and you're kind of spread out, you're kind of announcing, here I am, world, this is my space. Some of you are doing that today. You know, alpha leaders do that. When they, they enter a room, they, they claim space. They make themselves big. You know, the Greek alphabet, it's alpha, it's the beginning. Omega is the end. But it's a sense of dominance. You, you see it in the NFL, don't you? Yeah? You, you'll see NFL players, they'll, they'll do the, <clears throat> you know, take, show how big they are, strong. Superman pose, you know. Cuddy says that our pose, it's claiming space, it's to make us bigger. And that when we do that, when we, when we take those stances, 
that it reduces the cortisol in us, the, that stress hormone, that it, it increases our testosterone. And so we become more bold. We become more confident when we do that. Yet she says some shrink. You know, they, they hunch over. They make themselves smaller. Some even bow and won't even look up. And she says what happens in that moment is that it increases the cortisol and it reduces the testosterone. And so we, we feel more stress. We don't want to be noticed. There's a sense of weakness. And so her, her premise, basically, she says if you work on your power pose, like before a big uh, interview, job interview, or you got a, a big meeting, or you got a big ask that you're going to make, that you should get in front of a mirror and, and you should pose. And according to the, the book, whatever you pose, you become. And so, for instance, Wonder Woman. You stand like this for two minutes in front of the mirror, and you'll be more confident. You'll be more willing to take risks. You'll be more likely to, to be able to handle stressful situations, and you'll feel like you're part of the alliance or something, you know. You know. I'm not sure why I chose Wonder Woman. That was one of them she had. I mean, it doesn't seem like something an alpha leader would choose, does it? <laughs> but reading her stuff, it was interesting. You know, she sold millions of copies. I am not recommending the book, okay? So I'm not recommending it. I'm not not recommending it. I'm just kind of neutral on it. But I think she's on to something. Because power is an important need. And power is very, very complex. It's interesting how the Christmas story inverts power. You know, the Magi, they're, they're from the East. They're astrologers. They, they see a star appear in the sky, and so they start studying it, and they realize that something significant is happening. In fact, they, they figure out that a king is being born. Now, these guys do not know the one true God. They're, they're probably of another religion. But God led them to Bethlehem. And God led them to Jesus. And so these men, these, these wealthy, powerful, the, these were alpha leaders that showed up. And it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. See, the Magi... They didn't, we're here. No, they bowed down. The Magi, these guys that were alpha leaders, they make themselves really small because they have a sense of what God's doing. And get this, God comes in the form of Jesus and God is not striking a power pose. No, God's humbling himself. The all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God is becoming this tiny baby laying in a lowly manger. 
God out of love comes to redeem us. I mean, it's very interesting. The Hebrew writer says this, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, that first Christmas, he says, let all God's angels worship him. The Magi, the Magi chose to bow down. Herod did not bow down. Herod, who nicknamed himself Herod the Great, Herod was in a power pose. I'm in charge. Herod wanted to be the alpha. Herod was not going to bow down. In fact, he wanted Jesus out of the picture. You know, he wasn't going to worship. He wasn't going to bow down. He wasn't going to do that stuff. And when I read that, I think, you know, there, there's a little Herod in all of us, isn't there? I'm going to handle this. I don't need God. The angels deliver the news to Mary. I'm going to inform her that she, she's the chosen one. The scripture says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive, give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. I think it took Mary, when you read the whole story, it took her a little bit to understand what was happening. But, but when she does, I, I love her response. She says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. See, we're going to get a new kingdom dynamic here. She's low here. Small. But from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. God takes her from that spot. We're talking about her today. See, you can magnify yourself. You can magnify your problems. Many people do. Or you can magnify the Lord. Declare his greatness. Great love, great joy. Mary, she worships God. She, she magnifies, she exalts God. And God raises her up. God raises her up. Friends, commit yourself to worshiping God. I know some of you, you go, I want peace, I want love, I want joy. Commit yourself to worship. You can find it. You know, in fact, I, I would challenge you, the, this Christmas, I mean, we're just, tomorrow's Christmas. But between now and then, you know, when you see a nativity scene or you hear a Christmas carol or, you know, you, you see a Christmas tree or Christmas lights or you hear the Christmas story, think about Jesus and worship God. Just take a moment, worship God. And I know many times we, we think about the, that word worship and we think, oh, warm, like warm feelings, you know, that you got to feel like it. Uh, I don't feel like worshiping, I'll do it later. But friends, worship is an expression of love. And it doesn't work that way, like, oh, I'll, I'll get in the mood to, to worship. 
It doesn't rely on feelings. You know, in fact, do you know what you call husbands who only say I love you when they feel like it? Call them (laughs) ex-husbands. See, worshiping God is an action. It's an act of your will. It's a choice. You know, the Bible, anytime it talks about worship, most of the time it talks about the posture of the body. You know, people fall on their face before God. David, David danced before the Lord. The psalmist says, clap your hands, shout for joy. You know, three times a day, Daniel, he would get down on his knees and he would pray and he gave thanks to God. There's a man in the New Testament, Jesus had healed him and it says he was walking and leaping and praising God. People use their bodies and their minds to worship God and it affected their heart brought joy. I was reading a a recent study. They found that people that were depressed, that if they just gave them an ink pen and told them to put the ink pen in their mouth and to concentrate on their smile muscles, that just that simple action of the body would make them happier. Now, you could try that right now. If you're sitting next to somebody that's really crabby, give them an ink pen, give them the drill, and, and watch, it, it, it will lift them up. Because what we do with our bodies affects how we feel. You know, William James, famous psychologist about 100 years ago, he said, I don't sing because I'm happy. I'm happy because I sing. Use your body to worship. Use your will. Focus your energy You know, fix your thoughts on God and worship. It's how you stay sane in this world. It's how you regain strength. It's how you overcome the grind in life. It's how you overcome the fears that you face because it's in worship that you realize God is bigger than your problems and God is bigger than the situation and God is bigger than whatever it is you're thinking about right now. You know, Paul writes this, he says, For in him, in in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Everything's going to be reconciled before it's over. Whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. I want to challenge you to rethink worship in your life. To rethink worship this Christmas. And to make some just subtle shifts. You know, start worshiping God with a humble heart. Some of you just, you gotta, you gotta go there. You know, in the next 24 hours, find a moment somewhere. You can be by yourself and strike a pose and just get down on your knees and thank God. There's something about when you're on your knees before God. See, you can't be racing and doing things. When, when you're on your knees you're powerless. You're small. Reminds you how small you are. You know, it's in that moment you're just able to say, okay, God, I'm your servant. 
I'm your child. You're high, I'm low, but I'm fully and completely yours. You know, we think we're so smart. <laughs> we, we, we think esteem comes from building ourselves up. We got it backwards. We got it backwards. You know, the angel first greeted Mary. He said, greetings, favored one. The Lord's with you. you read the story, Mary didn't respond and go, well, that makes sense. I'm, I'm pretty special. You know, I get it. I get why God would pick me. No. Mary says, why me? I, I don't deserve this. I, I don't deserve that the Son of God would come and live with me. You know, as Christians... I think pride sneaks in a lot in our lives. You know, we start thinking, oh, I'm pretty good. I've done something special to deserve God's love. Friends, we're wrong. We're wrong. We haven't done anything. In fact, we're just the opposite. You know, they, for, for reasons I will never understand as long as I live, when, when I was prideful, when I was disobedient, when I was deceitful, when I was self-centered, for some reason, God gave, had mercy on me. You know, God sent his son to, to die for me, to die on the cross. And I will tell you, I will spend the rest of my life thanking God for that. I will spend the rest of my life saying, God, I don't know why you did it. I do not deserve it. I, I am shocked that you would have done it, but I will spend my life telling you and showing you that I love you. And friends, I challenge you sometime this Christmas, sometime, if you're able, to just get down on your knees and humble yourself for a moment. Say, God, it's me. And thank you for Christmas. Thank you for all that it stands for. I need Jesus. Thank you. Second thing, is to worship God with a willing heart, willing spirit. This is a power pose. Hands up and hands open. You know, don't go to God. So many times we go to God like, gimme, 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 gimme. You know, or we go to God and we're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. You can't make me do that. I'm saying go to God, open hands, willing spirit. Here I am, God. Use me. God, I I'm listening. I'm yours. What, what I have, it's yours. You know, God, whatever it is that you have in store for my life, I'm, I'm ready. You know, Mary, Mary responded with a willing heart, full, full surrender. She said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, Christmas is a time of giving. That, that first Christmas, God gave us a Savior. Why? So that our sins could be forgiven. So that he could save us. It is the greatest gift you will ever receive in your life. You know, the Hebrew writer says this, So let us never stop offering to God our praise through Jesus. 
Let us talk openly about our faith with him. Then our words will be like an offering to God. Don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. God is pleased with those kinds of offerings. How you live is your gift to God. You know, offering of praise, that's known as. You know, when you serve, you're giving to God. When you share with other people what God's done in your life, when you listen to other people, when you give, when you love, that's worship, friends. And I will tell you, it is what God delights in. It's what pleases the heart of God. You know, a willing heart. And when you worship, you'll have an attitude of hope. Some of you need hope today in your life. You know, some people believe you only worship God when things are going well. That if you're, you're sick or you're struggling or you're impoverished or, you know, jobless or abandoned, that you, that you, can't, you can't worship God, friends. But worship's about focusing on God, a God who is good, a God who is great, a God who is powerful, a God who's able, more than able, to handle whatever it is you're going through. With God, all things are possible. Because of Jesus Christ, friends, there's hope today. You know, there's an old man in the, the Bible. He uh, was a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was a disciple, John. And John, near the end of his life, he had been banished. He was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. He's isolated. He's going to die alone on the island. He knows that. And he writes these beautiful words. He says, I looked again. I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. Now, all, all these people, they're brothers and sisters together. There's no more division, no more wars going on. And Scripture says, and they were standing. They were standing. Why are they standing? Because they can't sit anymore. That is the stance of joy. You, you get up, you celebrate. You can't sit still. And they were standing, dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne of the Lamb and heartily singing. I love that, heartily singing. Everybody was singing. People that couldn't sing were singing. The tone deaf were singing. Everybody's singing. Salvation to our God on his throne. Salvation to the Lamb. Friends, our God saves. You know, our God created this, this world, this wonderful, broken, lost, messed up world. And our God's going to redeem it someday. And our God is going to take away every single tear. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. God's going to put an end to all the oppression and the injustice in this world. And friends, I don't know how you cannot worship a God like that. You know, in Jesus Christ, there is hope. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. You know, Emmanuel, God is with us. That's what we're celebrating. God came down to this earth as a baby, born in a manger. And ultimately, he would stretch himself out really big. 
on a cross. I mean, really big. It looked like a power pose, but then it didn't look like a power pose. It looked like the end, didn't it? Now the alphas, the alpha religious leaders and political leaders, they'd put him on the cross. They had no idea the power that was about to be unleashed. See, there was another kind of power in the world. You know, this God that created the world made himself small. I mean, so small. You can't get any smaller. They put him in a grave. But he walked out of that grave. And he was bigger than life. And he was bigger than death. And he was bigger than anything that they had ever imagined. You know, John writes this. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. You know, he is the Lord of all. He is the Lamb that was slain. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, there is no other God. Friends, and the only response I can think of is you have to worship a God like that. And when we humble ourselves in that moment, God lifts us up. Do you see that? See, Christmas ushered in a new kingdom where the first would be last, the weak would be strong, the poor would become rich. And I want to challenge you this Christmas to get down on your knees. That is the greatest power pose on your knees before the greatest God ever. And so this Christmas, been rethinking Christmas. And when you put God first and you put Christ first, I think it leads you to worship. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Let, let's stand for a word of prayer. There'll be uh, teams down front to pray with you. Maybe you got something going on that you just need to have brother or sister pray with you. Maybe you need hope today. Let, let, them, let them pray with you. Let, let's bow. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, I know there are struggles here today. There are problems. There are those that they need hope. They need joy. They need peace. God, just remind us that when we come before you, when we realize how small we are and how big you are, we find all those things. God, I pray that we would, uh, this Christmas, just remember what brought you to this world, what we're celebrating. Not only have made salvation possible, forgiveness of sin possible. But God, there's going to come a day when you'll redeem it all. God, we thank you for that promise. We look forward to that day. We give you the praise, the glory of this day and every day.
God's people sin? Let's worship God this morning. Let's worship.